for March 28th, 2011. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 143. We have always been at war with Ovaltine. Welcome to the Overthinking It podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. From Los Angeles, California, uh, only, you know, two hours north of Comic-Con, where the two guys in Paul are road tripping to, or from, or something <laughs> like that. I'm your host, Matthew Rather, here with a, a motley crew, a, uh, an assorted panel um, of uh, overthinkers to overthink all kinds of things. Uh, some people that we don't usually have on the podcast, so we're, we're glad to have them. Um, the, uh, I mean, kind of. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how they do. It's almost like it, we've had a guest each of the last three weeks. I feel like I have a guest this week, uh, though I've known everyone on this show for more than, t- uh, more than a decade. Anyway, let's, uh, let's jump into it. Uh, this, this is like Pete. You haven't been introduced yet! Quiet, you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel a welcome guest myself. <laughs> some of us, some of us observe rules in our life. No, what were you about to say, Schechner? Out of order? Uh, nothing. No, I'm just going to sit here and quietly sulk. <laughs> That's right. Know your know your place. No, uh, <laughs> alien. Like an alien, you're you're though you're like a cute, adorable alien set loose in the podcast, aren't you? <laughs> I've come here to show you the future of technology and, and the evils of mankind's current ways. <laughs> so here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a name. In honor of Paul, uh, what, uh, if you had a uh, cute alien sidekick, what would you name him? Uh, first in the alphabet, because all is right with the universe. Uh, all of Aristotle's crystal spheres are in perfect alignment uh, <laughs> with one another. Uh, so Peter Fenzel is answering the question first. Hey! hey. Please apologize. I apologize for any hoarseness I might have today. I've uh, I've lost my voice a little bit due to seasonal allergies. Um, so I was thinking about this You're question. Just screaming at an awesome rave. Yes, I was at a rave party uh, where we were raving. Uh, we were rave. We were, mad, we were raving as hell, and we weren't going to take it anymore. It was some sort of social protest act. No, um, I was uh, actually at some uh, some birthday parties this weekend, which was nice. That I perhaps were some crowded rooms uh, in the beginning of the spring. So the combination of allergies and shouting have gotten to my voice. So uh, I'll try. Over like the teenage moments where I'm like, hi guys, oh, I'm gonna go do my paper round. Uh, okay, so this question uh, raises the question of, okay, well, will you name? Would you give your, like your pet a human name, or you give your alien sidekick a human name, give your alien sidekick an animal name? Uh, I'm gonna leave these options to everybody else. I'm gonna say that I would give my alien sidekick a German name. Uh, I think I would call him Gustav. Uh, and I'd call him Gusty for short, and, and he'd hang around with me. I've always had a thing for like old timey German names. Like if I had a dog, I thought I would call him Manfred. Uh, and just like these sort of like really sort of uh, thick set names. These names that really are sort of too awesome to apply to actual human beings because they would nobody would take it seriously because people are not really in that way. And I mean that not necessarily like I'm talking about the places outside of where those names are native, where those names are comfortable, where they have certain cultural resonances associated with sort of supreme strength. So I would have my little alien psychic Gustav and I would encourage him to must perhaps an alien monocle because both things would both be pretty awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Do my best. 
Um, so uh, moving on then to uh, uh, Pennsylvania, from the wilds of Massachusetts to the wilds of Pennsylvania, where Josh McNeil is frying up a ribeye, um, big meaty steak. Josh, how's your steak? Meaty. Awesome. Uh, yes. No, it's, it's, uh, it's going excellent. I apologize for any sizzling or drooling that may occur for the listeners of the podcast as I attempt to uh, both entertain and eat. Uh, for, I never for, apologize for any sizzling or any drooling that I do on the podcast. I think it's something we owe our listeners every day. Come yeah, in here, work hard day in and day out, sizzle and drool to our heart's content. Half of that is just the reaction that I have around Josh. So <laughs> awesome! Keep on cooking, baby. Strangely, it's the sizzling. Um, do you, Josh, the, do you have a do you have a like a recipe or do, just a little salt and pepper and a hot pan? A uh, hot pan, a little onion, a little butter, a little Ooh. salt, a little pepper. Onion yeah. butter. Yes, yes, I stepped it up. Look, look, look uh, fancy East Coast elitist, huh? Yeah, yeah. No, so since uh, since turning thirty, I've expanded beyond three ingredient foods, which has been exciting. <laughs> What's um, the other than steak, onion, and butter? <laughs> salt and pepper. Oh, salt. Okay, fair yeah, enough. No, I'll, I'll file. Uh, for for my little pet alien, I'm going to go with uh, Xanthus the Destroyer. <laughs> because I feel like, like in all of the movies where there's a cute alien and like the government agents are trying to get the alien, like the reason the government agents want the alien is because having the alien suddenly makes your government, you know, infinitely stronger, right? You're suddenly like the, the you're the, the the native tribe that has suddenly has the ability to ally with your soon to be colonizers and thus survive. So um, I feel like you know we want to go ahead and start with uh, with with the thing of power and uh, and make him really really scary so that also I can use him to, uh, to you know extract some power and some uh, some riches of my own. Wouldn't it be Which, funny? Uh, yeah, wouldn't it be funny if you were cuddly and um, cuddly and uh, cute? And you called him Xanthos the Destroyer, like one of those, like like one of those women who has one of those toy dogs, a purse dogs uh, that she carries with her everywhere, but calls him like Bruiser or something like that. Oh, that's in a movie, isn't it? Illegally blonde. Yep. And I, I had a friend in high school who had a tiny, well, obese but still tiny Chihuahua named Spike, which was pretty great. Awesome. Um, but yeah, no, this this has more sort of geopolitical implications than that, but it's sort of in the same vein. I mean, just picture ET, but you know, dressed up in like a spiked collar and named Santa. Yeah, it's like ET e- e- stands for like Eternal Thunder. <laughs> awesome that is those are the dulcet tones of dave Schechner, dr Schechner, the uh eternal the thunder oh, sorry. <laughs> the eternal thunder from down under uh in the wilds of cambridge massachusetts or somerville probably right no i'm, I'm actually broadcasting from the uh department of stem cell and regenerative biology here at harvard nice. so in cambridge baby Wow. Where we do not currently have any aliens in our possession. <laughs> I want to stress that. I'm winking as I say this, right. but ironically so. <laughs> Quali- not, right, not, since you left, not since you left MIT, at any rate. That's a good point, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's just hire quality aliens. Dr. Everybody knows all the good aliens are at the Berkeley School of Music, down across the river. <laughs> 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 um, Dr. Schechner is an expert on uh, is an expert on um, explosions in movies that the hero narrowly avoids by running very quickly. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or vessels which are held together by the willpower of their captains. Right. Or <laughs> come um, on, babe. You can make it. You can. Ma- oh, I don't care. 
or explosions your- in space where, as we all know, there is no oxygen. That's mm-hmm. true. Or the unlikely paths of boomerangs that behave in no way the ways physical objects never should. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're getting this by, by directly reading it off of my diploma, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> just, that this last is exactly what it says. It's in, it's, well, this is the MIT diploma. It's in binary. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's just a, a UPC code. Um, <laughs> you know, all right, so I'm embarrassed to say this, but Josh, uh, Josh actually took my answer. Not, not word for word, but I was basically going to be like the guy that, that just ironically named my alien based upon. Because, you know, all right, I, I, I want to try and put my, myself in the alien shoes or like space gravity boots or tentacle sheaths <laughs> or whatever it has to cover or a floaty orb thing that holds the jar that it flies around in. Um, which is to say that if like, if I were the only human in some like ancient or, or some, some completely alien far off land where I spoke the language, I didn't speak the language and didn't understand the culture, you know, I would feel at a very basic level, um, fundamentally powerless. Um, and so like considering that for my alien sidekick, um, Obviously, I would want to exploit the fact that I, Dave Schechner, am much more powerful than it is, and so would name it ironically. Um, so, yeah, so if it looks really imposing and slimy and, and the sort of thing that would, like, immediately devour and or destroy you with some sort of zap gun, I'd call him Fluffy. Uh, <laughs> but if, if he were otherwise sort of unassuming, I would call him something like Mega Apocalypticos, <laughs> <laughs> which has the added benefit of sounding vaguely Greek. Uh, so you know, all my Turkish friends will find that amusing. Dave, are you going to name? Are you going to name that after? Are you going to name your baby after that at some point? Like, the baby is named look- Mustafa, regardless of the baby's gender. This is the way it's done. <laughs> all right, fair enough. <laughs> Mustafa Mega Apocalyptos Gilligan Schechner. <laughs> Shimba, I am your friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome to Bell Atlantic, the heart of communication. <laughs> yeah. We- <laughs> We should have a James I, Earl Jones off to go with yes. the Sean Connery off. I had a I had a bit part in Doctor Strangelove, but don't have a tagline from that film. So hi, um, excellent, Dave. It's it's amazing that for a, a scientist, you've mastered uh, postmodern thought in the humanities, uh, you know, incredibly well. Uh, which is that the power to name things is essentially all the power that matters. Yeah, it, it calls it into existence, right? The, the Australian Aborigines of the Dreamtime, uh, their creation myth is that the naming of the thing precedes the existence of the thing. Which is, of course, the opposite of the way that existential philosophy works, which is from the north. It's from the northern hemisphere. And so in the southern hemisphere, it makes sense that it would work backwards. Yeah, it's upside down. Yeah. Like the water going down the drain. Exactly. There's a guy in Nairobi who's like, on one side, essence precedes existence. On the other side, existence precedes essence. Um, <laughs> like along the equator, it's all this sort of Zen state where the thing and its meaning cannot be separated yeah. from one another. But they're still asking you to pay them a dollar to look at a toilet for some yeah, reason. <laughs> I am. Um, I, I That's their home. <laughs> Well, it's a novelty. It's for tourists. It doesn't matter that they're of a different race. I'd do it, too, if I could make a living doing it. If I could be like, this is North Cambridge, and this is Somerville, and on this side, the toilet goes one way, and this side, the toilet goes the other way. <laughs> this side, the toilet works, and this side, you have to call the, yeah, the, the Department of Public Works. One way and the other way are into the piping and out of the piping. <laughs> Exactly. I am, um, you know, in order to, uh, I think we're too kind to alien visitors. And in order to make my fellow right thinking, liberal, progressive, lily livered, lily livered, you know, Volvo driving, latte sipping, uh, uh, a lot of things at once. Hey! Fellows, what? in order to make them <laughs> uncomfortable, I would name my alien slave. 
And I, oh I would, <laughs> and I would only, I would only ever shout its name at it. So it would be like, uh, do you, do you mind going around the corner to grab me a cup of coffee, slave? Or you know what I mean? I love you very much, and you are my best friend, slave. And it, would you grow a Fu Manchu prior to doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, really, the point of doing this would be to make you know to make my fellow progressives uncomfortable. Because <laughs> <laughs> clearly, what you'd be doing with the alien is bringing him around to cocktail parties. It's like no, no, guys. It's not as uh, as, as exploitative as you think. In his native tongue, slave means indentured servant. Right. So it's, it's slightly better. We'd be we'd be making the rounds of the Upper West Side with a lot of cocktail parties with guys in like uh like turtlenecks and tweed blazers, you know, with a kind of full mm. beard and uh, you know tortoiseshell glasses, and it would be. Uh, have you met you know Have you met our visitor, our benevolent visitor from another planet? I call him Slave. <laughs> Here, let me ask you guys this question in regards to naming. Let me ask you a question with regards to alien naming. I feel like when people are naming aliens, we really disproportionately use consonants that we don't use often in our own speech with this idea that because they're from another planet, they must use the consonants we don't use, right? So it's like, it's like Zixorks and Ragnark and like, oh no, R is used a lot, but like Vargzaks and like Njurknik. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, does anybody think that maybe uh, the fact that we don't use certain consonants is as characteristic of our way of looking at the world as that we do? And and that perhaps like we need to like reimagine how we name aliens such that we don't see them as sort of like the opposite of the words that we choose. I don't know. Does that has anybody else noticed how we like to make these things really hard to spell? No, so we, that- we absolutely do, and we use consonants that are used commonly in places like Africa and Asia that were alien the, to the us Middle until East. very recently, right? Yeah, right, right, right. A lot of like hard yeah, K's I mean, and X's. They're mm. they're um they're consonants that are used in the Roman transliterations. Right. Of uh, of Asian languages, because I mean, like, you know, I don't know, like a, a Peking uh, or even Beijing. I mean, that's not what they. Yeah. Wait, wait. Are, are you going Wade Giles or Pinyin translations? Yeah, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know? <laughs> Did you say Sorry. Jay Giles? <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> my Jay Giles Asian transliteration system. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually pronounced my my angel is the Beijing. <laughs> well, I mean, is that important? I mean, can we still refer to the phonemes then, or is there a sense in which the sort letter? Of, but they don't. I mean, really, they don't sort of map one to one onto uh, right onto to sounds that we use in in American English, right? That there there are there are sounds that are just different sounds, and we kind of approximate them with consonant sounds that uh, yeah. you know that we have in English, but they're not they they're not they're not identical. I mean, even something like like German or French or something like that. Some of those some of those nasal sounds are sounds that we don't have in in uh, in English, or the guttural sounds in German, or we just don't have them. Like you know, like uh, uh, nicht in German, right? Which is like nicht or something you know we we don't there's no way of approximating it really um right anyway so then so then do people i mean if you guys don't know off the top of your head maybe the people who are listening can list this in the comments are there people who try to name aliens using phonemes and sounds that don't exist in human speech and like try to actually use that like enduringly as a storytelling tool or is it they have to you have to give them some sort of comprehensible shorthand at some point so that the audience knows what you're talking about right or uh i'm trying to remember if, if, if it's just a bunch of like uh like glottal stop like unvoiced glottal stops right you're yeah just, you're I, just like rapidly closing the back of your throat just <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> 
Well, that's well, that's a pretty common uh, common joke in mov- in these movies, right? Especially like the comedies, where like, oh, my name is you know, it's a thirty seconds of unpronounceable stuff. I'm like, I'm gonna call you Steve. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it's a pretty. I, yeah, just whining high-pitched dolphin sounds for a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Also, I should confess, none of us have actually seen Paul, which is the movie that has inspired our discussion about this, which is I've our proud Paul. tradition, just, of course. not the movie Paul. <laughs> That's true. I've seen, I've seen Paul. I've seen a bunch of different Pauls. Um, <laughs> so rather than have our discussion about First and Second Corinthians, we decided to talk about the general <laughs> topic. Uh, he beat me to it. Uh, also, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I, I, my wife is Turkish, and uh, I, I spent years studying Turkish uh, in classes and all that and was living with a roommate at, at the time who's a big Star Trek fan and was sort of studying, you know, going through the flashcards at one point, um, you know, on this very sort of classic Middle Eastern language. And he swore that uh, I was just reciting lines of Klingon. Um, <laughs> so if that says – like Turkish is extremely heavy. Uh, love both start and end words in K. Like there, there must be I don't know two or three hundred different uh, two syllabic words that begin and end with K. You know, kulak, koltuk, etc., etc. A korkmak, which is their word to fear. It's never used because Turks fear nothing. Um, is so I don't know uh, if that says anything. Can Can you give a shout out? You might give a shout out, uh, Dave, to our uh, to our Turkish listeners uh, in in Turkish and just uh, saying hi to them. Yeah, sure. Merhabalar arkadaşlarımız. Çok başka düşenerek onu ve bu salaklarını dinleme sadece ben enteresan şeyler yapıyorum. En büyük Türkiye, başka büyük yok. yok, there you go. <laughs> that's, the, that's the one thing that I learned in Turkish from Dave. I actually, because I live with Dave for a year, and uh, and so I actually used it on the Acela uh, this weekend when I was going down there. There's this guy taking a search engine class at Brown who's from Turkey. And he's like, oh, you're from Turkey? En büyük Türkiye, başka büyük yok. He's like, where did you learn that? That's amazing. <laughs> you're part of our secret society now. Exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> And that means that Turkey is the best, the greatest. There's nothing greater, right? That's the idea. It's like a soccer yeah. chant. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Well, that is, uh, that is the panel tonight. We are brought to you tonight by The Overview, which is uh, overthinkingit.com's series of alternative commentary tracks for movies. You can find the latest overview. We're going to record a new one pretty soon, but you can find the latest one, which is episode uh, two. Not episode, they're not episodic, but which is uh, edition number two, I should say, uh, on Starship Troopers, which uh, is a film available uh, very conveniently on your Netflix streaming. Um, and the, uh, uh, you know, the overview is, uh, is an MP3 that you download that consists not of anything having to do with the movie, because that would be a, a violation of copyright. And we respect nothing so much in this universe like we respect the copyright laws of the United States of America. Uh, long may they stifle innovation and creativity. But um, we, Actually, uh, you know what? That, that's what I'm going to name my alien sidekick. The <laughs> copyright laws of the United States of America. <laughs> And then after I say that, you all have to say, long may they stifle our views and greed. Anyway, sorry, go on. Uh, but um, what uh, what the overview is is if you have your co- <laughs> I said is a lot of times in that sentence. What the overview is is comma uh, if you have your own copy of the movie comma. A uh, an alternative commentary track that you can play while listening to the movie. That is not. It's not like Mystery Science Theater. It's not designed to make you laugh. It's designed to bring you into the uh, the overthinking fold to surround yourself orally 
A U R A L Y with overthinking um, <laughs> while you are while you are enjoying the uh, you know the military com- campaign against Clendathu and the other bug planets. Yeah. So we um, we want and perhaps a cup of rich chocolatey Ovaltine. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah, that's your that's your prerogative. We don't provide that. We don't provide uh-huh. that, and we don't provide a uh, a popcorn either. Though you should certainly, if there was ever a movie where you should. Um, <coughs> You know, suck down a cup of Ovaltine and and uh, munch on some munch on some popcorn. Actually, uh, the grammar the grammar was a bit convoluted there. Are we at war with Ovaltine or not? <laughs> we have always been at war with Ovaltine. <laughs> Excellent. So my little like light brown uh, of you know sticker for the back of my car isn't an error. No. Um, and uh, and Dave, I, I want you to meet my um, my friend, our benevolent visitor from Ovaltine. His name is Slay. <laughs> so um so what you do is uh you start the um you start the mp3 track playing that you download uh that you buy and download on the site and uh there will be instructions for how to sync up the commentary track that you're listening to on your computer or your mp3 player with the movie that is on your netflix box or on a dvd that you're playing on your tv or your computer or what you know what have you there will be instructions in the track for how to um how to sync it up but you need your own copy of the movie uh but that's easy because it's uh because it's on netflix so um that is uh we're brought to you by the overview it's only 3.99 uh on overthinkingit.com slash store you can find find it there and uh we're we're getting ready to kind of plan our next um our next overview so uh you can give there were some great suggestions in the common threads uh in the last episode and you can give your common threads uh you you can give your common threads in this suggestion wow that's a lot of that trader Joe's <laughs> wine i've been uh I've been <laughs> swilling there. You can give your suggestion in this week's common thread, but um, the the uh, the way we're we're leaning is uh, is Ghostbusters two, Ghostbusters two. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy about it. I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about it. Though, Dave, you said you were not a fan of Ghostbusters two when you when first it was released. You know, it's one of these things that I'm going to have to go back and see again as an adult. Um, I, it must have been like when I was eight or nine years old, I first watched the original Ghostbusters and was like completely obsessed with it for a solid year. Um, and, and, you know, just just like lived, slept, ate Ghostbusters. And so when the sequel was announced, I was, you know, of course, like beside myself with elation and then just supremely disappointed. It, it was the sort of like, you know, first example in my lifetime where I personally experienced um you know the inherent disappointment from hype. Uh, you know, mm. you think that this thing can no, in, in no way possibly live up to its, its expectations, at least internally for me. So sure. So yeah, no, I, I got to go see it again. I also I, I like uh, soul music and funk a lot more now as an adult than I did as an eight year old. So um, mm. so you know, perhaps the ending of, of the movie will be you know, more will touch more of a touchstone for me. Which is what? Mm. It's higher and higher, isn't it? By Jackie yeah, Wilson, right. yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's the version that plays, but we can talk about that. You have to actually listen to the overview when we do it in order Absolutely. to hear all that good stuff. Yeah, they actually owe us four cents for that now, right? Like, they got a little piece of overview for free, which right. is not. Absolutely. No, we which is not in accordance no. with the copyright laws of the yeah, right. You get a taste. Absolutely. You get a taste, and then you come back for more. Yeah, you get a taste. You know what? If you want to taste, the overview uh, version of Twilight, of the first Twilight movie, is available for free. Uh, and I think you can get that at overthinkingit.com slash store, and you can download that. And that's the one we had, a, we had a couple people say a pretty nice thing about it, which was that they listened to it without even watching the movie. 
Yeah, I feel like we need to make sure that that we can that these things are are comprehensible in that in that format. I think we need to make sure that it's all things for all people and can be used in any variety of ways. I also intend mine to be uh, a muscle muscle relaxant, and as well as say, uh, you can use it for rehabilitating injuries. It will heal you. It's a facial astringent. Um, yeah, exactly. Heads, this will it slices, it dices, it juliannes. <laughs> but wait, there's Bowler. Yes. What is julianning? Somebody, oh, Josh knows because he's an expert Iron Chef. What is what is it to Julianne? Maybe Matt knows because he's a little bit more effete. It's it's when you watch uh, it's when you wash and cut vegetables while watching the Julianne Moore scenes out of Boogie Nights over oh. and over again. <laughs> Wow. So for you, that means when you watch and cut vegetables, because that's pretty much on nonstop in your home. Exactly. <laughs> do, do you really not know what a julienne is, Pete? I do not, actually. It's, I a, do not. it's a very thin cut of it's a really vegetable. Really thin slices, yeah. Yeah, it's a... Mm. Uh, so it's a... Uh, like, say you have a lot of little carrot toothpicks, and they are, you know, an eighth of an inch by an eighth of an inch by three or four inches. That's a, ju- that's a julienne. Oh, okay. And an so invitation a- for carpal tunnel syndrome. <laughs> yeah, right? Lot Fair of- enough. Well, you make them. You can make them on like a on a uh, mandolin slicer rather than making them. It's it's very hard to make them with a, a chef's knife, though. You know, it is taught at all the um, the major culinary schools. And then if you turn your um, your julienne sideways and cut those uh, into an eighth inch dice, uh, that is called a brunoise. Ooh, and that is your culinary fun fact <laughs> for the day. Maddie, uh, he- you are really disproving his allegation of a bit more effete, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the um, I'm I'm proud I'm I'm proud to be a, a you know a very good cook. I uh... <laughs> he says with contempt. <laughs> <laughs> Kneel before oh, God, a... slave. Hey, let me I'm ask you this: Paleo Brumoise. You're gonna have to use spelling. Um. So, uh, yes, the overview, overthinkingit.com slash store. End of commercial. So let me, let me ask you this, guys, because we've been bringing up – we talk about food a lot and talk about cooking. Is there like a fictional dish that you really love or like a food scene in a movie that really gets you going and salivating about stuff? Like gets you really excited to eat? Um, I have an like, answer, like, but mine is obvious and stupid. So oh, no, let's see ahead. if someone else – like, no, let's, 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 let's hear it. Well, mine is the entire film Big Night. You know, Big Night. Wow. Okay. Do you, what is that? Do you not know Somebody that? Do you not know that movie? It's a movie. No. With I don't know how to Julianne either. There are a lot of things I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, oh now I'm, now I'm uh, frantically IMDbing. It's a movie. It has Stanley Tucci in it, and Stanley Tucci is one of a pair of brothers who together uh, own and operate a restaurant, an Italian restaurant, mm-hmm. and um, their uh, their competitor. Uh, Tony Shaloub maybe is the other one. Their competitor is Ian Holm, um, playing uh... Ian Holm, who played Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings movies, the ones that have existed to this point, right? Yes, that that Ian Holm, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, who plays I think a rival restaurateur, who mm-hmm. um, who says that. Uh, and the business is flagging, and um, he, and uh, Ian Holm says that he can deliver a uh, a the jazz musician Louis Prima for a um, on the house dinner at the uh, at the restaurant, and so they. Um, I mean, spoiler alert for Big Night, you know. So they <laughs> there is this 
sumptuous feast prepared in, you know, almost pornographic detail with all the glorious Italian food that is prepared for this um, this uh, feast with Louis Prima. And Louis Prima, of course, never shows up. And the whole thing was a uh, was a, just a very cruel joke by Ian Holm on the uh, the brothers Shaloub and Tucci. Um, and uh, the. Um, you know, so but they eat all the food anyway, and so it's it's sort of unboxed. It's like culinary unboxing porn. Uh, the food is sort of consumed in. And uh, again, what in do you all- mean by unboxing? I, I'm not familiar. Oh, it, when, like every time there's a um, a new uh, Apple product released. Or I suppose any, <laughs> or, or like a, or, or any really popular yeah, any really gadgets. popular electronics thing like a, when the like when a, the Kindle first came out sure like a game console you know like the, the uh, uh, Xbox 360 or the PS3 or something like that there are these websites that will do either videos or step by step photos of uh, opening the box and taking the thing out right. <laughs> Yeah, it, really? it is it is consumer like, porn uh, in its yeah. highest form. Yeah, absolutely, and the um, you know, and almost kind of, and sort of like like pornography, right? It, it's almost an end in itself. It's almost like <laughs> you know, the the only point of pornography. <laughs> Porn- pornography is art without purpose. Yeah, it, it, it is. You know, it, it's it's the Ligeti music of visual images. <laughs> <laughs> it is a static entity whose sole purpose is to exist and not to be consumed or interpreted. The Ligeti music. Anyway, so unboxing porn is this thing where where products are sort of are removed from their wrapping, and it's you know I, the analogy I was making is to like serving a you know serving a meal at a restaurant at table, you know where there's a kind of presentation element. There's less surprise in our food than there used to be. I mean, from the nursery rhyme. Oh, uh, you know, I, if you really knew what's in it, I, I believe you disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Sing a song of sixpence, a pocket full of rye. Um, Josh, you would you're, you're a bigger Vonnegut fan than I am, so you'd probably know the answer to this. What's the uh, the novel where he talks about uh, some alternate planet where food is really scarce, and so all of their pornography is food cooking and consumption based? This is a real thing. In one of the Vonnegut novels. Um, like he just he casually meant it might even be Slaughterhouse Five. Like he mentions that on some far off planet, all of their porn is just about people gorging themselves on food. Oh, I rule! I rule! I just threw a tennis ball across the room and hit the light switch to turn the lights on. <laughs> Great. Congratulations. <laughs> Josh, what was the Vonnegut novel that was about rather throwing a tennis ball about across the room to turn the... Uh. Uh, I actually don't know what novel that is. I, uh, my first reaction was the cooking sh- channel, but... Um, yeah, that could be. I, I don't know. The, uh, it's classic acerbic commentary on the, uh, on the tax system called Julie and Julia. <laughs> <laughs> Julianne, Julianne, it's a horror movie. It's <laughs> Starring Julianne Mark Exactly. And Julianne Moore. <laughs> well, people can weigh in on the comments. So, so, so is the idea behind Big Night, so there's this idea that there's somebody who's coming to dinner, and they make a big 
big to do over this guy? Do they eventually have to be like, hey, we deserve the great food too because this is the life that we're leading and we don't have to have anybody show up and make it special? No, they, I it- mean, it's like, it's pretty clear that the, uh, that the restaurant is going under at the end uh, of the thing. It's not, I mean, like, if there is a moral victory, it is the enjoyment of it is short lived. It is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's pretty, yeah. um, it's pretty bad. But then, so then the brothers get in a big fight uh, about it in a, in a stupid way, not in an epic way, the way that, that fights in um, action movies seem like uh, very masculine and, and uh, exciting. But in a, very... in a rooftop Mexican standoff where it's like, <laughs> you could put down the child. It's like, I'm not going to put down the child. You put down the gun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no such thing. Not like that. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a couple of like doughy sort of guys or one wiry guy and one sort of doughy guys like, you know, throwing haymakers at each other uh, outside and looking pretty stupid doing it. So they, and, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It's very well acted. And then they, they make up um, in, in a, like a six or seven minute scene, um, at the end that shot, that's all done in real time where, uh, uh, one brother like wakes up outside the restaurant where he's, you know, fallen with a black eye or something like that. And he, he comes back in, starts making an omelet in the restaurant kitchen. And then his brother comes in and sits at, sits at the other side of the thing and he makes him an omelet too. And you just see this. It's, it's totally wordless. The acting is phenomenal. Um, and you know, they just, uh, you know, it's this reconciliation that happens over the course of this, um, this, uh, you know, preparation of breakfast for, uh, you know, for a man and his brother, uh, between, and this kind of, I don't know, ritual of food shared, shared between, between family. And that's, I mean, even more than the, uh, even more than the, you know, the sumptuous Italian feast that's prepared, the two, uh, the two omelets just make me hungry, just make me really want an omelet. <laughs> You know? Oh man! I, I really. Anyway, that's a very long. That's a very long answer to uh, your question. But I, I would feel like I, I was shortchanging your question if I didn't give it a very long answer. No, I feel like it's. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead. Oh, just uh, I was I was moving on to the when when you first asked the question the the food that came to my mind was actually in a film that our, our dear Mister Rather is also credited in, which is um, Hook. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that when I was asking yeah, yeah, the question. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The bright blue uh, goo that gets—I fl- I remember being a kid and really, really wanting to be a participant in that meal. So, like, uh, <laughs> but, but not from a gustatory standpoint, right? Well, a bit of that. I mean, as you recall, we started many a food fight in college, um, yeah, sure. which, which, which sort of sated uh, sated that aspect. But I, you know, I always, I was, I was curious as to like the bright blue goo, savory or sweet. It was never clear to me. Matt, uh, you, you have any thoughts on it? I, you film? know, I do not appear on camera in Hook. I'm, <laughs> I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a chorus of children singing on the soundtrack in Hook. Everyone says, "Oh, you were in Hook as a child. Which of the Lost Boys were you?" And I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not any of. You're them. like I was freaking Dustin Hoffman in Hook. Okay. It's nothing. It's nothing that cool. Uh, though I did meet John Williams, uh, which I guess was uh, was cool, and he conducted us in our in our thing. No, I'm I'm you're, on the I'm on the soundtrack of Hook. I'm not in it. You're you're missing an incredible opportunity to lie. Right oh, there. <laughs> I was Rufio. <laughs> <laughs> the Asian, you know, the Asian kid with the with the spiky hair and the that you is know what I mean? great acting. You that is the best acting I've ever seen you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, no, because I was thinking about that because I actually do think that 
watched that movie, I felt like gustatory excitement at the food that they were eating. Like the power of suggestion that this stuff was really tasty was like very powerful. And, and can say, like, I don't necessarily think I would feel the same way if this were the first time that I've ever seen it. Maybe I'm not sure, but uh, definitely at the time it was like, I, I definitely leaned more towards like more savory than you would think, right? Like, cause it's supposed, you would think it would be sweet because it's a, uh, it's for children, but when I was watching it, my brain was saying savory, and I'm not entirely sure why. Maybe because it seems so satisfying. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's it definitely seems like a very sustaining food stuff. This food stuff of the imagination that they chuck at each other in that movie, which I never really understood why people bash that movie. I like that movie a lot, uh, the Hook movie. But uh, you know what people do? What people do? They'll uh, they'll haters gonna hate, as they say. Um, definitely. Certainly true. Yeah. The other the other movie food that I've always really wanted to try was like eating a leg of some roast beast like just off the bone like pretty much any medieval or like mm. barbarian type film. Yeah. Which you can yeah. approximate at certain like fairs with giant turkey legs, but it's just not quite the same thing. Yeah, the Disneyland yeah. giant turkey leg just doesn't live uh live up to it or like at medieval times, you know, when you get yep. your Cornish game hen and your, you know, soup yep. in the terrine where you have to drink it with your hands or something. I mean, one food is, stuff that I think that about a like, lot. I mean, like as awesome as the food stuff is, it, the experience is going to be tainted by being served to you by someone who you know is an out of work actor who's doing this for the minimum wage gig. It's like a vasty hey, enjoy out of work actors doing enjoy your turkey gigs. leg. I've ma- I've managed a call center. Huzzah and welcome to medieval times, a land of feasting and tournament. Well, they need to be doing their jobs, too. I remember when we went to medieval times, last time I went to medieval times, and everyone was calling the bar, the waitress wench, and she really didn't appreciate it. Um, but because uh, it's kind of because it's like what they're called, right? Like that's their job title. But people don't really know what a wench is. And when they start calling people, that's not very nice. But I don't think the people there are really largely cognizant of what it means. So, uh, but I do remember her trying <laughs> to be happy. And uh, I just there's just something about the job title that was a little bit demeaning. But I don't know if it was the job title that made the food less good. You know what? I'll um I'll, I'll add two things. One is that the food stuff that I was associated with in a very similar way with this is like the lumberjack sized stack of flapjacks with like the butter and syrup on top of it. That's like as tall as your head. That's served in cartoons and such. That's like 17 pancakes on top of each other i always thought that must be like unfathomably delicious and yet like like pancakes since while good don't really share that quality and i also haven't had them in such a vertical orientation um the, the marginal utility of additional pancakes <laughs> is not particularly you know uh, exciting the distance from the plates does not make eating of a pancake more <laughs> yeah but and, and you know you need to have like some of those pancakes have to be like load bearing right like they can't all be of same density they'd fall under their own weight <laughs> they have to be load bearing <laughs> right hey, like you, Schechner, you need some some Schechner, it's, it's a it's pancakes all the way down <laughs> my god <laughs> if you were like a designer like if you were a cake designer you would make the layers of the cake somewhat different one would think if you needed to support a structure I mean you watch like Ace of Cakes and the cake shows right how like the structure of the cake matters and like the the, the architecture of the cake matters and it's not something you can just throw a bunch of stuff together and expect it to work so I, I would see how like maybe you make three different kinds of pancakes like well, here's make- the thing here's the thing about those shows right the cake doesn't even matter right the uh, or those uh, those competition baking shows on Food Network um, the the yellow cake just comes out of a you know comes out of a box they've made i don't know 50 you know sheet pans worth of cake uh back at the studio and they just come and carve it in into uh shapes um the cake the actual cake the actual thing that goes in your mouth doesn't 
really matter compared to the to the decorations, which is actually kind of dispiriting when you think about it. Because mm. when I think of a good cake, the actual crumb of the cake, the the like the cake part is. Um, is what's good. It's not just the frostings. It's not just that the yeah. cake is a you know is a delivery vehicle for buttercream. It's that it's, it's, the it's cake not that it has a working is... waterfall running out the middle of it, right? right. Yeah. right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm not here to play mini golf. I'm here to have dessert. You know, it's uh, but Although, um, you know it can be both. Some, sometimes I'm there to also play mini golf. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So I guess I would posit this that the that there are sort of uh, forms of foods that exist culturally distinct from the objects of foods as we experience them sensorily, and in turn how they exist sort of nourishingly. Right? There's like the turkey leg as you see it on television and as you imagine that turkey leg tasting, which is different from if you were to actually have a turkey leg in front of you, it'd be a lot greasier. It wouldn't be as as sort of like um, invigorating. I mean, the thing that always does this for me, and I don't want to take this us over our, you know, Eudora number of chili peppers by making this unsuitable for a younger audience. But the thing that always does this for me is, is whiskey, right? Is that whiskey has this culture associated with it, with being like awesome and refined and like kind of sophisticated. But every time I drink, I'm just like, oh, this is awful. Like, oh, I can't do this stuff. This is gross. Um, now, I know people like whiskey and, and all that. But the main thing is that the imagination of what it must taste like as promoted by the pop- popular culture in particular, because it's where the repetition comes from, right? Like it's where you see it a million times in in movies and TV. You can create these like entirely fictional foodstuffs that exist only in like analogy to the things that you can actually eat. Sure. Um, yeah, like, uh, like uh, you mean like in movies like uh, like American Pie when Stifler's mom uh, swirls the uh, you know the single malt around in her glass and says aged eighteen years just the way I like it. <laughs> oh, the chili peppers are a climbing. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, the chili. Does anyone even do that anymore? The chili peppers. I miss the chili peppers. This is for the younger people. If it used to be that if you use certain email clients, if you use curse words in your email or like racy terminology, the email client would automatically rank it in chili peppers for hotness, uh, for like how, how like sort of spicy and inappropriate it was. Which is, I mean, which is funny because like you think of four chili peppers on a on a like a menu on like a Mexican food menu as being more awesome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you must consume this immediately, yeah. or you're a wuss. This um. Actually, Matt, I think I think there's the same people who would look at that on a Mexican menu and be like, "That's more awesome." Are the people who view that the same way as terms of profanity and email? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those those who would avoid the chili peppers would do so in both cases. I guess so. Right. Yeah. I mean, those who would avoid the chili peppers are are the uh, what are the people the you know in the Midwest pouring a bunch of cream of mushroom soup over a. I don't know, over a oh, casserole yeah. of soggy broccoli and yeah, you know, topping it, <laughs> topping it with Funyuns. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of <laughs> food stuff that both resembles and makes me want to vomit. Oh, geez, Louise. I wouldn't be so mean to the Midwest. They have some oh, nice whoa, whoa, food whoa. out there. No, they have, yeah, your, vomit, your vomit looks like Funyuns, Matt. <laughs> like, you need to get My that My family still eats that every Christmas. That's some, that's some serious issue right there. <laughs> yeah. the, uh, uh, well, says the biologist. I probably should, I probably should get it checked out. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, sorry. I, I should say I, I love the, the foods of the Midwest. My, uh, that's where all of our delicious ribeye steaks come from, by the way, just so you know. Um, hey, I, you know, I thought of something while we were talking about it, because when you said wench a while ago, I thought, mm. actually, that's what I'd name my alien if it was a girl. But the- <laughs> <laughs> Matt, that's not appropriate. But the, it's um- not very respectful of aliens. <laughs> 
How would you, you know, like it if they named you like working aliens? Him. Answer to worse. I, th- I, I mean, I think the aliens are going to name me dinner. I think the aliens are not. <laughs> <laughs> the aliens are playing a bigger game, right? They're they're not really concerned about what I what I call them. Um, the aliens are the aliens they, are scientists. They, they will they're consult <laughs> you on the proper way to prepare you. Yeah, how to right? You. How to prepare so humans? Shallot person or more of a green onion man? <laughs> Uh, is it in is it in Douglas Adams where there is a cow that comes out to the dinner table? Yes, it's in the restaurant. It's in the restaurant at the end of the universe. Yeah, it's uh, still snork simultaneously and press our glasses up on the bridge of our nose. <laughs> we all brush the brush the barbecue potato chips out of our neck beards. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> neck beard, probably the least respected of all the pirates. You know. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to top that. We got 20 minutes to go, but we're not going to top that. <laughs> you may as well stop listening to the podcast now. Oh, no, don't keep listening. We need you. We need- you still look beautiful as the day we met you. Please stay and keep listening to the Yar, podcast. Ahoy, podcast listeners. I be the dread pirate Neckbeard, and yeah, I'm yep. here to take you aboard my ship, the one zero 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 one one zero zero one. One zero one zero one. So the true the true neckbeard would have had to stop to take a breath midway through that. <laughs> like the neck neckbeard mostly you know breathes out of his mouth. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I'll I'll come in again. Hello, podcast <laughs> listeners. Hello. I am the dread pirate hey, on, neckbeard. Don't be so mean to the people who listen to our podcast. <laughs> to kidnap you and to make you walk the plank aboard my ship. The one zero 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 one zero. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are jerks. You guys, you know, not, we are not mean to our podcasters. We are, you know, be, besmirching the foul name of the dread pirate Neckbeard, who is responsible for, for, on over twenty occasions, mercilessly killing the mood. And we've all, and all. <laughs> Pete, don't worry about it too, because there was instant karma as Matt just drooled all over his microphone, and will now have to replace it or be electrocuted. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a uh, this is a condenser microphone I have. So any moisture, such as the you know flecks of spittle that I've just covered it with, uh, you know, shorts it out. Um, actually, it's pronounced moisture. I, yes, I was uh, you know I was actually going to make a point as a uh, as a right thinking progressive, you know, here on the left coast of America. Um, you never see a girl alien, right? It's all they're all. I'm thinking like uh, men in black too. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I know that there are there alien? are alien. Alien. Oh, okay, good point. No, I mean a lovable. I mean a lovable alien. Alien. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you guys root for? What? Don't you think Sigourney Weaver is lovable? Is E.T. a dude or is E.T. a chick? E.T.'s in drag at one point in disguise. Actually, yeah, that actually was was the next thought that I had, which is that maybe I'm being sort of heteronormative or sort of you know human normative, which mm. is you know uh, who are we to assume that um, that whatever alien life we encounter has our kind of mode of sexual reproduction? They may right. I don't know reproduce by <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know that scene in was it Star Trek Six where Captain Kirk kicks the guy in the knee and he gets really in pain at the ice planet, and they say, "Well, why did he do that?" And someone said, "Not everyone keeps their genitals in the same place." That's a that's a great scene for that movie. Oh man, seems like a terrible it seems like a terrible place to seems like you know nature would select against that kind of thing mm-hmm. right like you would also think that nature would select against you know putting your testicles in a big floppy sack out in the front of your body but 
you know, where it can easily be like kicked or bitten off by a yeah, hyena. That has, to, that has to do with temperature, doesn't it? Yeah, but you know, yeah, but how hard it was for sperm to like just get exactly. a little tougher. Yeah, why why not really? just evolve it so that the sperm can? I actually have a theory that you know it's done that way so as to keep the re- the reproductive rate down, but. You know, anyway. <laughs> but I mean, why not just – are we engaging in the I'm, – I'm sure I am. Are we engaging in the kind of like evolutionary uh, thinking that is, that is wrong that like ascribes yes. intentionality to it? Like why not evolve it such that yeah. – you know, we're, yeah. We're, yeah, we're falling prey to the classic you know, evolutionary problem or the we're evolutionary Pokemon. thinking problem. Yeah. Why right. don't we just evolve into Charizard and then everything will be better? Uh, although, if we one thing that I, <laughs> one thing I did hear was that it, uh, if we were going to talk about kind of like coincidences that could be lent through misattribution causative qualities, one of the interesting things about the way that the human body is built relative to other primates is that our fronts in general are like fairly vulnerable to attack. Right, like all of our vital stuff is on our front, like our guts and our throats and our eyes and our nuts. All of these things are on our fronts, whereas our backs are much less vulnerable to attack. Like somebody can get you in the kidney, maybe, but like your butt is pretty strong and your back is pretty strong, and and it's harder to sort of stab through your back than to go through your stomach. Um, and and I think one of the speculations was that this might have been an advantage were people running away from things. Right, and the, the idea is that, like, it, you know, again, of course, this is not this is not intentional. It's not causal, but like, um, humans have big butts. I can't lie. Um, mm-hmm. We have big butts relative to other primates. As, as, Pete, as your brother, I uh, I affirm that. I can't. I, I cannot. Yep. I cannot so when an australopithecus walks in with an itty bitty waist and around, <laughs> now, um, as often do. Right. So, so the Although point they- is that one of the qualities, for whatever reason, that humans seem to have, like one of our actual physical strengths, that's like, you, like not unique but impressive among animals, is our ability to run long distances. Right? Like human beings, we don't overheat that easily because we sweat through our skin, so we're pretty good at running long distances, and we have pretty we can- big butts relative to other monkeys, right? Other apes. We, we can, we can, we can sort of um, trot for longer distances. Like we can't run at a full sprint. Right, right, right. For as long a distance as other animals can run at a full. I mean, the thing that humans really excel at, the thing that we're sort of like the world record holder for in terms of just physical attributes, uh, is distance walking. Mm. Like no, nothing can outwalk a human. Right, right, right. Which, if you've ever been to Disney World and you walk and watch everybody like sort of tromping around, no, but yeah. So like, the, I guess the idea on a Thursday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're all pretty good at walking around. But I guess the I think the idea was that at some point there were a whole bunch of people, and some of them had their nuts on the front, and some of them had their nuts on the back, and then a whole bunch of guys came up to them throwing rocks, and everybody ran away, and the people with their nuts on the back got hit by the rocks and had to fall down in pain and clutch their nutsacks. Uh, this is really which now was, which was quite a, a challenge considering that they were around the back, and it was exactly like, yeah, it's one right. of those things. It's like one of those things where you're like reaching back for a zipper that is back there, and you know. I mean, to like get your band uniform over your head or something like that. And, uh, you know, because just uh, I'm just being inappropriate. <laughs> except, <laughs> I'm, except it's your nuts. <laughs> yeah, this is what this is why people think that we need to have more diversity on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> they, think, they think that we don't do these things when other people are around, even though we do anyway. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's been it's been great fun having other people on the podcast. You know, yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. I, I've never had a problem getting women to talk about how ridiculous testicles are. Either. <laughs> I feel like they're they're right on board with us on that. <laughs> 
That's true. So I will say, just to jump back, I don't know if you guys have watched Species, but uh, I know I have. <laughs> it stars <laughs> Sir Ben Kingsley as an as an alien hunter and a bunch of other unimportant actors. He, was, he really was knighted uh, for his work in Species, wasn't he? <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> for services uh, to the realm and Species. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was that. And, I mean, they knew back then that like he had already signed on to Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time. Yeah. Right, right. but yeah, like you have to, go, you have to go with the existing body of work, right? Yeah, that deal was a yeah, long that, time in the making. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or it was actually, it? Species was so awesome that it propelled Banks Kingsley back in time to star in Gone. That's how it worked out. Um, they were actually like he shot both simultaneously. It's, they used the same footage. Uh, it's different voiceovers. Right, right, right. Well, it's also funny because Ben Kingsley is in that season of The Sopranos where they try to be, get him to be in that terrible mafia movie, right? Uh, in the Cleaver mafia movie. And it's like, he won't do it. But for those of us who are familiar with Ben Kingsley's like degree of slumming it from time to time, it's kind of amusing. Because he's in a, a bunch of really awesome movies. But he's also in Species, which if you haven't seen it, is about a female alien uh, who has to have sex with human males to reproduce. Uh, and uh, it's pretty ridiculous. And she spends a lot of time naked. In the movie, uh, and it's it's a fairly titillating R-rated uh, alien movie, um, but it does answer the question of like, well, what would it be like if you know aliens possess the most dangerous of all human weapons, which is female sexuality, which men are more afraid of than anything else on Earth? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Wait, does she get paid the same amount as equally dangerous male aliens? <laughs> uh, well, she spends a lot. She has to take parental leave off for being pregnant with thousands oh, of. You see, parents. there you go again. Yeah, with exactly. the, okay, so that's really that's that's one of the confounding factors in determining whether there really is a pay differential is the time that she has to take off work to spawn the alien invasion. That's <laughs> so it's it's hard. It's not that it's necessarily I'm, like disproving, but it's a confounding factor in the. You know, yeah. I, you I'm know, Pete, for some that, like, for some oh, female aliens, uh, an alien invasion is their work. You know, spawning the alien invasion <laughs> is just as valid a life choice as, you know, I don't know, being, a, being a, an ad manager in publishing or something like that. God. Yeah, I being know. A, a journalist or an architect. Those are the other two professions that are allowed to women uh, in the popular culture. Right. Or, or a sassy cop. I thought, or I thought like wedding planner also, right? <laughs> did you see the wedding planner? Have I you did. seen the wedding planner? She has to be a minority to, to do that, right? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so, no, I have not. I've not. Well, the wedding, planner, wedding planner, it's Jennifer Lopez, um, who is a majority, however you slice it. I mean, I guess she's a minority, but I would cite her as a majority. Um, but yeah, no, that so, movie's really bad. <laughs> speaking of slumming, I just... Uh, uh, right before this podcast, I watched uh, Jonah Hex. Oh, Have wow. any of you guys seen that movie? No. I didn't realize <laughs> that they'd finished it. Oh, good God. Yeah, it was in theaters for an hour and a half, um, which was And it's about... a two-hour movie, so that's kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of unfortunate. <laughs> it was, it's actually like an hour and ten minutes, because it, it, it may be the shortest movie I've seen in a while, and that was apparently all the usable footage they had from it. But it's, it's, it's John Malkovich in what I believe, like, he was the villain in Wild Wild West, right? No, that was no. Kenneth Branagh. Oh, you're right. With spider okay. Spider wheelchair. Exact same character. It was just, I was sort of like, wow, they, 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 just, they had their costume all ready to go, but oh, you're right, it's kind of burnt out. By the way, I've definitely heard other people tell me that like they thought it was John Malkovich in that, in that movie for some reason. In Wild Wild West. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, uh, let's put it this way. It, the, this movie was like Wild Wild West, but without the charm of Kevin Klein. Um, 
It was wow. really, it was pretty, pretty amazing. The, uh, oh, or, or the, or the John Malkovich produced rap soundtrack. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. <Wow. laughs> I mean, he's, he's mostly sampling Stevie, Stevie Wonder, who was also sampling John Malkovich. So. Wild West. Jim West. <laughs> I really, I actually, I really love that movie, sampling John Malkovich. <laughs> Remix. Exactly. Wasn't that, wasn't that a thing in college where like uh, you could say remix to anybody at any time and they would have to like repeat the thing that they said without? Uh, <laughs> yeah, know. I tried to get people to do that. Hopefully, some people get caught on with. It. I want to be like we hey. remix. But the way they work, you'd be like, "Hey, Matt, how was your day?" Oh, it was it was awful, Pete. You can't imagine. I had the greatest time you could possibly conceive of. Well, I ran into an alien and named him Slave. What? Not appropriate. It's not a good. <laughs> Got to name it Gustav. Yeah, I'm gonna get hate. I'm gonna get hate mail for that one. That's okay. That's okay though. Send me your hate mail. It's mm. a joke. It's a joke, everybody. With that reference. Just think of it as a Boba Fett reference. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah. So, I guess, I mean, do aliens eat food? I mean, I guess in batteries not included, they go, they make eggs at that diner, right? But is there a way to bring this full circle? Can anyone think of a really delicious dish that, like, aliens eat um, in some movie somewhere? Just well, like. The premise of a lot of the films is that they're here for our food, right? Like, Independence or, or Day, weren't they here for our. I mean, maybe, maybe it was their, our mineral resources, but they were here for resources of That's some kind. That's also like Battle Battle Los Angeles or Battle L.A., whatever it's oh, called. Yeah. Isn't that the, the premise of that one, too? Hey, I didn't don't, see that one, don't, don't laugh at Battle L.A. That was the number one movie in America a couple no, of weeks No, I, I went to see Battle L.A., and that's why I'm laughing at it. Oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, can, you, can you give us a report from the field? Uh, it, it was uh, it was truly amazing. <laughs> it, you know, it's one of those films where, like, you know, you have to be in the right frame of mind for it. And if you are, um, then you're like, it, it was it was a movie. Like, I, I walked into it going or thinking, uh, a, I could pretty much watch um, Aaron Eckhart do almost anything. Like, I, I just for some reason I really like him. Sure. Um, and B, He's this pretty. is probably say that again. He's pretty. He is pretty. I, I want to watch him like open up like a, a pop cap soda bottle with his chin. I'm sure, um, or whatever's left of his chin after the Batman movie. Okay, uh, and, and so and the other thing is that like I, I was pretty much sure that this is a movie where all of the dialogue was um, written using scraps of things that have been cut out from like other shitty action movies and just like taped together. <laughs> and and I was dead on right. Like it, it that movie had so few chances to have their characters speak to one another intelligibly and yet it missed every single chance it was given. It was like, it's like the first movie ever uh, written and produced by the New York Mets. Uh, He he said as a lifelong send your hate mail to to Matt rather. (laughs) As a lifelong Mets fan, uh, this is the way I feel. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. It's like... They sold that movie as Jarhead, basically, but with aliens instead of Iraqis, right? The idea was it was supposed to be like a really gritty, realistic look at what the yeah, yeah what an exactly. would be like. Did it succeed in that at all? Um, uh, no. Uh, like, it, watching it, it wasn't really clear to me like how the plot structure or like the um, the the direction, like how how the the yeah, how any aspect of that film was supposed to be at all different from just a more modernized take on Independence Day. Mm. Um, like, I, I didn't know what, what their, their MO was in constructing the movie that way or failing to construct it in any way. 
So. Well, it's. I mean, we've talked before on this on this very podcast about how aliens kind of substitute for your um, for your kind of generic non ethnic villain, right? right? Like it's okay yeah. to hate aliens, and and actually all of mankind can be um, can be uh, you know marshaled together under one you know triumphant yeah. banner to They're often uh, united force, right? Yeah, combat mm-hmm. combat the existential. Uh, threat from aliens, but like uh, you know, taking the Iraqis of, out of Jarhead is not a, a a trivial move. I mean, right? Like it's it's kind of a lazy thing to do unless you're <laughs> I don't know unless you're District Nine or something like that, and your your subject mm. is that the the uh, you know the aliens are kind of specifically a um, you know a proxy for you know another race of humans. Yeah, I mean, isn't it a bigger challenge to all of us though to love the aliens? Like, not to hate them? I mean, what are we really learning? I mean, I love Independence Day, too, but what are we really learning when we're, we're talking about killing these, these poor interstellar saps who show up in their, like, over-designed vehicles to bring death and destruction upon all of us? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, you can blow them up and all that other stuff, but, like, at the end of the day, like, can you really look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of yourself for doing that? Actually, you know, Independence Day addresses that issue, right? I mean, there are the crowds of alien supporters in an early yeah. shot. Who gather on the top of the rooftops and are incinerated? That's like, right. It, it doesn't mince words about how people who love the aliens or attempt to should feel about themselves, mm, which mm. is burning hot to the point of ionization. <laughs> 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 yeah, but I also kind of thought that that's kind of well. While at the time when it first came out, I was kind of getting a bit of a charge out of that because it was there, there was a <laughs> time where uh, Are you, you know, on ionization there. Sorry. <laughs> well, we were we were in the Clinton administration, right? And the Clinton administration was less warlike than the preceding Bush and Reagan administration and the subsequent uh, Bush administration. I mean, it was still relatively warlike. We fought multiple wars, but it was somewhat less warlike, and there was this idea that we were sort of astride the world like a colossus, and we weren't going to... We were going to broker some sort of long-term stability for the world. Um, it was the... And, uh, yeah, it was the end of the history. I mean, it, it, yeah, you know, yeah. it's that it's that kind of period that gave rise to, you know, neoconservatism and, quote-unquote, the end of history. Yeah, yeah, and then, like, so... That, 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 that worked that, out well. Like, yeah, yeah, I know, right, yeah. That, which sounds laughable now, but, you know, at the time, everyone kind of took it seriously they're like oh i wonder you know yeah but there's a number of movies at the time where like people who are nice to aliens get their comeuppance because it turns out that the other is still out there to kill you you know it's like like michael j like like, not michael j fox necessarily but i think some of the characters (laughs) in mars attacks that um like oh like jack nicholson is the president in mars attacks is sort of like the clintonian reconciliatory like slimeball president uh, in, in the Tim Burton movie, Mars Attacks is like that. And like the stupid people who think Elvis is going to come back with the aliens in Independence Day are also like that. It's like, you know, we're, we're spreading this propaganda for this sort of like warlike. Which is funny. I mean, there's a kind of, there's a kind of polarization, right? That, that is not necessarily, I don't know, quote unquote realistic. It seems terrible to talk about realism when you're talking about alien science fiction movies. But, um, you know, what if the aliens were just like, you know, what, what if God was one of us? Just a, a, a stranger on the what bus. Just a, a slob. No, um, it seems like it seems like the the uh, the aliens are either sort of totally technologically dominant, you know, and and uh, or else I don't know, or else really stupid or something. I I'm actually not quite sure what the other option is. But are you referring to Signs on that one? Signs was the one that blew me away on the really stupid aliens. <laughs> yeah, conquer oh, yeah. Earth despite their. You know, deathly allergic to water. Yeah, were, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, they're going to land on a planet that's eighty percent water. The um, uh, presumably, by the way, to rob it of its resources. <laughs> though, you know, though it's non, it's non-water resources. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Though they're not going to get it from the people because the people are eighty percent water. Mostly well. water. No, yeah. Apparently, they wanted the corn, right? That was the corn. Really seemed to be the thing they were after in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. You have a lot of it. We can give them some of the corn. It would be like that. Would be like aliens who are allergic to carbon landing on Earth. Right. That would be pretty funny, actually. Um, yeah, in that movie, they should have come after the corn and should have all gotten diabetes. That would have been a much better answer to that song. It's like, who can save us now? It's Wilford Brimley. Or pellagra, right? Or pellagra. What, I forget the name of the disease that you, that you get if you don't treat your corn with lime before you turn it into, um, uh, you know, masa uh, dough, right? Like, uh, don't you get a, a terrible disease? No. What if the aliens were just were just sort of like us, and they had just enough technology to explore, you know, uh, out in the reaches of out in the far reaches of space, and they? Um, uh, isn't, this, uh, isn't this sort of like basically the premise of um, of Alien Nation, the short-lived Fox uh, interstellar cop drama? You know, I never saw it. It was like the early days of the Fox Network. Like the, yeah, yeah, the, I know what you're Fox talking team. about. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. The splotchy bald heads, and they were yeah, like that's right. good cop, bad cop. It was like alien cop, human cop. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, it's yeah, I mean, based on a movie, right? Yeah, there was a movie, and then there was a um, there was a series that came after it. Um, that was you know I fairly think, short-lived, as it were. Um, I but yeah, I mean, there were some trails along those lines. In a way, but, it was short-lived in a way. <laughs> um, but I mean, even human beings like a hundred years ago were capable of technology. That would kill large groups of human beings. <laughs> like, like it's it's mostly the will to use it that is like held us back, right? It's like if if people from 1903 like landed in New York City, they could mustard gas the place, you know? <laughs> like it's it's not a or maybe 1914 or 15 or whatever. It it wouldn't necessarily be a challenge to exterminate everybody. Which so is why unfortunate. Did, I mean, you know, why did the why did the aliens have to be either you know technologically superior and hell bent on destruction or uh, exploitation, or technologically superior and kind of benevolent? Um, uh, like uh, like in contact or something like that, you know what I mean? Like sort of benevolent uh, overwatchers, right? Or in uh, the day the Earth stood still. Right? I'm I'm thinking I, I'm thinking what happens on the event, the NBC show, may be interesting. Where there on the on the show there are aliens living among us. It's a show with like Blair Underwood as the president and and Jason Ritter and um, uh, the Doctor with the crutch from ER and uh, you know um, all those other people. Many of the male, the one really, really passionate guy. Yeah, like aliens. Very rarely living among us. No, no, Matt. I, I stopped watching that after like two episodes. What, what are the, um, what are the aliens doing in that show? Well, that's, they, they like they crash landed on Earth, and uh, you know a certain amount of a certain number of them were rounded up and put in a prison where they've lived in in uh, the uh, spoiler alert where they've lived in the wilds of Alaska. Though they get broken out, you know, around about episode fifteen or sixteen, and um, the uh, and the rest of them have just they they look just like us and they've integrated into our lives, uh, you know, except that they don't age. There's a great there's a great joke. Um, in it, they've they've become extremely rich because their math allows them to predict the uh, the fluctuations of the stock market. But they don't make the investments directly because that would draw attention. So they have a uh, they have a guy in the Midwest who's like a proxy for them, who uh, uh, who out of Omaha, Nebraska, makes all their uh, you know. Financial uh, they have Warren Buffett. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're <laughs> financial moves from them, and though though Mr. Buffett is not named specifically, it's it's clearly implied that that it. Though, uh, of course, yeah. this would obviously not work for a variety of reasons. 
<laughs> Not the least of which being, of course, that if you had the mathematics to predict the stock market, you would cl- and you were able to make a tremendous amount of money doing it, you'd run into capacity problems, wherein the money that you were using to bet on the stock market would change how the stock market behaved, so that it became harder for you to make money doing what you were doing, right? Like, um, yeah, but they have alien math. No, that's I, I may, maybe you didn't alien hear that math. Part, but they have alien math. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're mostly shorting dilithium crystal futures. <laughs> I mean, it's impossible to make infinite money in the stock market, provided that you do a bunch of illegal things and rip people off and, like, don't have any regulations as to what the numbers mean. Like, Go on. <laughs> but then, then the economy collapses because none of the, none of the prices are accurate. That is I the price I am willing this. to pay, sir. Yeah, what, what, would, uh, what would our bonuses be in this scenario? Yeah. A bazillion alien dollars. Yay! <laughs> yeah, if, the, if the market doesn't have an efficient pricing mechanism and no one understands what actually, how the actual securities that they're buying and selling work, then you have America. <laughs> they were the aliens the whole time. But Sterling was right. And so the dread pirate Bluebeard sailed on into the sunset. All right, I can I can safely say we've nailed this one, guys. This, this is ten out of ten on the podcast. <laughs> Who says the sa- the salmon of doubt was a travesty? Actually, can I say something as a as a nerd? Um, I'm, yes, I'm, can you say it in any other way? <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot speak in any other way than as Bruder. <laughs> Mon- <laughs> you hypocrite nerd lecture, mon semblable, mon frere. That was as a literary <laughs> nerd. Um, the uh, uh, I'm looking forward to uh, a Game of Thrones, the um, HBO series that is based on George R. R. Martin's uh, uh, Song of Fire and Ice uh, series of books. Though I wish he would write number five already. Well, I guess yeah, come on, dude. He's he's mostly written number five. Have you read them, Josh? I have. They're excellent. It's it's sort of. Uh, it's Lord of the Rings esque, but with a much sort of in scope, but a lot, uh, a lot more sort of realistic and gritty and political in ways that I find fantastic. Well, it's funny. So, yeah. I mean, it's funny what we. Uh, it's unclear what we mean by realistic. By I mean, wh- oh, this is a whole other podcast. We probably should leave. We probably should leave this discussion. Okay, forget I said anything, Josh. But I, you know, <laughs> uh, by realistic, considering that they're about dragons and magic and you know. Things like this. Um, well, they're very, mostly about people hitting other people with swords. Yeah, that's or, what I. Or sure, yes, there are dragons, but they don't they don't appear that often. About the sort of the sort of machinations of power or something. You know what I mean? Like that. You know. And I suppose we should get a. Uh, now we should get Ryan on the podcast. Um, uh, okay. Well, good. We'll we'll leave it there. Download the overview at overthinkingit.com uh, slash store. Uh, leave us a comment on the show notes. That's probably the best way to join the um, to join the conversation. There, we have some excellent uh, comment threads that that go on the show notes of these um, uh, of these episodes. Uh, or if you're a chump, you can email us at podcast at overthinkingit.com <laughs> or call two zero three two eight five six four zero one. But we probably won't ever get to your um, we probably won't ever get to your message if you we do. get a we get a lot of emails. So. <laughs> Now that I started doing it that way, we we don't get any, which is fine with me. I'd rather have it all be on the um, I'd rather have it all be on the blog where where everyone can see it and everyone can participate. You know, it's um it's great. Hey, we're probably uh, we're probably coming up.
up on a uh, summer movie episode here because I realized that the uh, we're kind of less than a month away from the summer movie season starting. Like three three or four mm-hmm. weeks, you get uh, Fast Five. You know, Woo-hoo! the um, it's, it's actually it's it's reassuring to me that um, that here in like late March, early April, it is not as the trend would have predicted already the summer movie season. I don't right, know. like hasn't hasn't you it been say, like starting like progressively earlier and earlier? Yeah, I mean, each I don't year? know. I, you could say that Sucker Punch is the kind of overproduced action movie that uh, that you know heralds the beginning of the of summer movie season, <laughs> the end of society. And then and then in a couple of weeks we have the uh, one two punch of Your Highness and Arthur. Uh, wow. Which are, okay. uh, you know what I mean? Which are the kind of counter programming to summer movie season? In the, the, they're kind of the, you know what I mean? The comedy counter programming. Yeah. To the Arthur yeah. isn't about royalty. It's about uh, no. alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's a fine line, Pete. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Can't have one without the other. All right. So uh, you know, come back next week for the next episode of the Overthinking Podcast. You also can uh, you also can um, get the overview, and we're going to do Ghostbusters two one of these days and uh, release it to you. Uh, until yeah. then, suggest some other movies. Yeah, suggest some yeah. other movies. It it helps if they're on Netflix instant streaming. I feel better about doing a about doing a movie that's on Netflix instant streaming because so many people have it that. Um, that we can assume that the readership generally, that the audience for these things uh, has access to the movie, rather than being some sort of obscure, knowing as it would be some like obscure DVD that you have to like buy on eBay. Not that there's anything like that, uh, you know, anymore. It's all, you know, it's all on the on the torrents, right, on the torrent sites. But we don't want to encourage you to do that. We, you know, we make we make media, and we're actually asking you to pay a couple bucks for it. Um, and so we want to support other people who make their living that way and who support what they do. I like, I like that we're not going sort of hipster on it and demanding that people watch the movie on VHS and try and sync it up with like a dat <laughs> tape of our, our commentary. We actually, yeah, there actually is a lo-fi overview series that uh, I dub on <laughs> on cassette tape, uh, but I do it. Uh, there's a, a lot of like uh, freeform poetry and nose whistle. Yeah. You wouldn't understand it. I do it. I do. Uh, I do it though on uh, like LP cassette tape so that you can't uh-huh. uh, you can't really hear what we're saying. And it's, it's just a richer sound, you it, know. Yeah, it is absolutely. <laughs> it's a you know, the noise actually becomes more important than the music at a certain level. Uh, you know where else the noise becomes more important than the signal? It's www.overthinking.com, the site where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It Josh, how's that steak? Oh, it was so good. You ate it while we There was that 20 minutes where I was silent. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I was wondering if we just weren't interesting you, but no. Well, I mean, that's, that was true as well, but, but the steak was the big part. Right. There's no ignominy in being less interesting than a steak.